0: Well, we are five weeks into a sermon series now that I've been calling Live Out Loud, where I'm hoping to help you to actually be or become the kind of Christians that we're talking about in this vision, the kind of Christians who would have the courage to stand, not obnoxious, the confidence to speak up, not scream, and a heart. See, this this is what will keep you from screaming, a heart that's willing to sacrifice ...to see more people come to Christ. A heart of compassion. A broken heart for lost people. And So today I want to finish up a message I started last week... ...where I said I wanted to give you what I think needs to be in place... ...in each one of our lives. What needs to be in place in each one of our lives... ...to actually live this out and become these kind of people. And last week I rolled it out to you in two ways... ...hoping that at least one of them would grab hold of you... ...depending on your personality... ...and start to get some traction in your life... Remember the way I rolled it out the first time? The first one that I showed you? It was a simple equation that I know isn't in the Bible, but sometimes we need handholds and a framework and something that you can remember. I gave you a simple equation that I said could capture what I think has to be in our lives. And it's this, HP plus CP plus CC equals MI. Simply means high potency plus close proximity plus clear communication ...equals maximum impact. But if you are more like me... ...and not a math science guy or woman... ...I said you could simply remember it as... ...potency... ...proximity... ...proclamation... ...to make maximum impact on the people around you. So last week I spent the whole message... ...trying to unpack HP and CP... ...high potency, close proximity. And so today I want to unpack some more... ...the CC part... ...clear communication... But before I do, let's review. Let's review HPCP and I want to clarify a little further some of the aspects of this HP and CP. Here we go, number one. I said, number one, you'll never make an impact on the people around you without being salty and full of light. And by salty, I was told last week by more than one public school teacher and other people, salty now is a bad thing. That's too bad. It's a good thing. And so... Let's keep using salty from the biblical side of it. This is good. I I was told salty now means bitter, angry, torqued. My panties are in a wad. That's not what we're talking about. You can go be that on your own. We don't need to help you be that. So we're talking salty, full of light from the good biblical standpoint because that use of salty is going to go away in a few years just like Michael Jackson and his bad. So now bad means bad again and salty one day will mean salty. But today let's use it the way it means so I took you to Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, and I said, look how Jesus calls us, not that you should be, folks, but that you are. The question is just how, how good are you at it? He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. But that, that immediately should cause you to have a question that pops in your mind. Okay, if that's the case, I'm the salt of the earth, I'm the light of the world. How do I get salty and full of light? And when I start to get that, how do I keep it? How do I keep that high HP? In other words, how do I get my HP level up, high potency, and keep it consistently up? Not perfectly, but consistently. What would I do in my life to increase my HP? And I gave you some good news, I thought. In a day where we're inundated with so many things, so much information, nine steps for this, eight keys to this, blah, 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 blah. I said, you know what? You can consistently keep your HP high potency up, very salty, full of light, by choosing to do one thing. You remember what that one thing was? I took you to Luke chapter 10 and I showed you Mary and Martha, not his mother Mary, but two sisters, Mary and Martha. And you see where in Luke 10, verse 38 through 42, Mary chose something that Martha did not She chose to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his, say it, word. If you'll do that, you will keep your HP level up, high potency. But you might be thinking, but he's not here. She sat at his feet in her home. All right, how would I sit at his feet and hear his word? So I unpacked that a little bit for you. So let me ask you. It's been seven days since we were together. Did you make any changes to choose that one thing? I can't do it for you. Your spouse can't do it for you. No one else can do it for you. Did you make some changes in your schedule as far as when your alarm goes off, how much TV you watch, how much you surf on the web to say, I am going to feed and read God's word. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've got to. I've got to. I've got to, I'm going to feed and read on God's word. So you've you've done some changes in your schedule. Listen to me. If not, it's doubtful that your HP level is any higher than it was seven days ago. Got to have God's word. And then I said... So let me ask you, have you re-looked at your schedule to say, I cannot fly by the seat of my pants. I have got to have some unhurried time to pray. And one of the best times to do that is before you start your day. At the end of the day, if you want to pray, it'll all be, Oh God, so sorry, please forgive me. Right? I would love to pray before I head out. And it's amazing how sometimes there's not as much to confess at the end of the day. When you pray and say, help me. I'm going to that job. I'm going to that campus. I'm going to have these meetings. Fill me with your spirit. And you spend time praying, asking Jesus to give you his heart and give you eyes to see people around you that they have names, that that they have eternal destinies, that they're created in the image of God, that they matter. People matter to God and so they should matter to us. Ask him. Because see, here's here's. Let me push something about prayer that maybe some of you don't realize. Too often, as Christians, we can put prayer in the category of "That's when I go to God and ask for stuff, and I ask for stuff, and I ask for stuff." And if you turn on the TV, that's what it's all about: name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. Don't hear me saying you can't ask. He's a good dad. But folks, here's also what happens when you pray: when you get alone and you pray unhurried, spending time with your Savior, not just asking for stuff, but being with him, you start to become more like him through prayer. You start to think like he thinks, have a heart like he has. Did you rearrange anything to carve out just a little more time for prayer and say, I've got to talk to him before I talk to others? That's why I don't have breakfast meetings. Been here 20 years, and I've told everyone not going to meet you for breakfast and left your head is in your hand. Not going to happen because I always say I want to talk to God before I talk to you. And if I have tons of breakfast meetings, that's not going to happen. I have to be with the Lord. So do you. You don't have to be a pastor and need this. Prayer changes you, high potency. And then, did any of you relook at your schedule and say, "Oh my goodness, I know we're busy. I know we got sports. I know we got evening stuff." But is there any way we could spend time with Jesus by getting close to other contagious Christians at close range, rubbing up against them? Not in this room like this on Sunday, but in a smaller setting in what we call in our church here, what? Small group. You'll also become like other contagious Christians when you get around other believers at close range, rubbing up against other believers. Folks, there's no shortcut for this. That is how you increase your HP. High potency. That's it right there. There's no magic wand. There's no other way. So often we just think, God, I want to be mo- more, more effective. God, I want to be more like Jesus. God, I want to make a difference. You can pray that all day long, and I hope you would, but He's going to say to you, Here's how. There's my word just sitting on the coffee table or in the back seat of your car ready for next Sunday, and you don't touch it. You're not going to be high potency. You're zooming off in your car day after day after day and you're not even talking to me. You're not going to be highly potent. And you're, you're, you're never around other believers at close range to get that iron sharpening iron. It's just not going to happen. But... I said, that's not the end game, right? Just salty, 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 and my life is full of light. It's a biblical truth. Light show doesn't necessarily impact the world if you're never around unbelievers, or when you are, you wish you weren't. So, number two, number two, you'll never make an impact on the world by hiding or working so hard to eliminate all contact with unbelievers. Jesus didn't do that, neither should we. Jesus leaned into the darkness and the decay. But listen, I know this can be tough. I know this can be tough. How do we do that? How how do we balance that? Leaning into the darkness is not the same thing as diving into the darkness and swimming around there and staying there. So what's this gonna look like? There is this balance, you guys. God, when he saves you, calls you, yes, to be holy, to be different, and yes, to penetrate the darkness. So you've got to have this biblical balance. To me, there's a biblical rhythm to this healthy, salty Christian life. And here's what it looks like. I get up in the morning earlier than I would want to get up so I can read and feed on God's word and pray and say, Jesus, help me. And that's high-potency moment There I am. And I'm doing that because I'm about to go out into the world and I'm going to a secular campus or a public high school or a middle school cafeteria and I'm on a team there at Dixie High School and I know I'm going to have close proximity to unbelievers and here I go. And I'm not trying to hide, but I did high potency stuff and now I'm doing close proximity stuff and then I come back and I go to the student ministry. I make time for it even with my homework and my sports because I need some more high potency And then I go back out. If you're an adult, it's like, I go to the parent-teacher meeting at Dixie, I'm in the hallways, and I try to make a difference, and I call teachers by names, and I, by names, by name. Their name. And when I see the principal, I say, thank you for being a good leader. Leadership is so hard these days. I pray for you. I pray for you as you lead Dixie. Let me know if I can ever serve you. Most parents that talk to them are just complaining about something, I know she knows I'm a Christian. I know she knows I'm a pastor. So I'm making my point to not email her every other week about the textbooks I don't like. I say, "I'm praying for you. How can I serve? How can I help?" And I'm right there. And then I go to small group and I'm with other believers and it's high potency and we're praying together and it's iron sharpening iron. And then I go to LA Fitness instead of the GFC gym that we could build that we won't build. Where we all exercise together to only Christian music and... But I'm at LA Fitness and there I am and there's foul language and there's crude talk about women and there's values I could not disagree with more. And I'm like... oh, But I'm calling people by name. I'm loving people. I'm praying for people. Instead of getting one with a TV, I'm on a treadmill that has no TV. Those are hard to find. There's only three of them and don't get on one. God help you if you get on my treadmill... When I go in there, I kid you not, I come in the front door and I glance over and I say, Lord, please, one of them, get them off by the time I change into my clothes because I'll have to go upstairs and I'll have to be buffeted by the TV. I don't even want to see it. And he almost always does. Good, there we go. So that I can pray for 30 minutes. I pray. I pray the whole time I'm on there and I'm praying for the people I'm seeing and I'm praying for you and I'm praying for other people. Folks, I'm just saying, this is high potency, close proximity. High potency, close proximity. And then you don't just hide in your home. You walk around your neighborhood and you learn names. And, and then when you get free, four free tickets at work to a Reds game, you don't just invite a couple from your small group. You think, is there anybody in the neighborhood we've met that we could ask them to go with us? But you're sitting there and they're not just drinking frosty malts and they're talking and doing things that you just don't agree with. Please hear me saying, these are awkward moments. I know. I'm in them. But we're supposed to be. But it's High potency, close proximity. High potency, close proximity. Is this making sense? There's a rhythm and a balance to this. Because here's the clarification that I want to make this week. There's more than one way to render yourself useless for the kingdom. There's more than one way to render yourself useless for the kingdom. First, there are Christians, and I understand. Here's the two radical ditches that I want to point out to you. There are Christians that the darker it gets, and it's getting darker, the more decadent it gets, it's getting more decadent. Understandably so. It's commendable that they're like, I want to be holy. I don't want to get sucked into that. I used to be in that myself before God saved me. That was me. I want to be careful. And so the worse it gets, they pull away more and more and more. But they want to be holy. They want to be pure. They want to be set apart. The danger is you can reach a point to just think, the end game, the total deal is just see if you can hunker down and be highly potent till Jesus comes. And the way to do that is never be around darkness. And they're hoping that high potency plus low proximity will equal maximum impact. And it doesn't. God never called us to a Christian commune or a fortress mentality. We sang today a mighty fortress is our, is our God. He is a mighty fortress. We run to Him, you pray to Him, you read His word. We're not supposed to create an earthly fortress. God never called us to jump into our Christian fortress, pull up the drawbridge, and just shoot gospel arrows through the little slits in the walls out at the world. But that's what some Christians have boiled it down to now. And I think it renders you fairly ineffective. Because they're like, we never see you in the neighborhood. We never see you at anything normal. You just shoot a gospel arrow out every now and then. You're like, oh, come to VBS. And think, where are you the rest of the year? You don't come to the 4th of July thing here. Is this making sense? It would be helpful if they saw something besides our little eye through that slit in the wall. As an arrow strikes them or goes flying by their head. Like, oh, there's that Christian gospel thing again. But I don't really know what these people are like. So I can assume they're very weird. Get out there and they'll realize we're not that weird. All of us. If you are, stay behind the slit in the wall. I'll let the spirit of the Lord tell you who who should go and who should stay. (laughs) But there's another ditch to fall into. And I think this other ditch is the reason sometimes... We've got as many Christians as we are piling up over here in the fortress mentality. It's because it's a reaction to these Christians I want to talk to you about. It's Christians who don't just lean into the darkness. They fall into it, dive into it. And these Christians are saying, I don't want to be that. I don't want that to happen to me. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Christians that are off the chart with proximity to unbelievers. And they're not afraid of darkness. In fact, you can find them wherever you find believer unbelievers. Problem? You also find them doing almost everything that the unbelievers are doing in the darkness with little or no distinction. I call it cheap proximity. Just like Bonhoeffer talked about cheap grace, I call this cheap proximity. What I mean by that is it's the thought that as long as I'm all tatted up, dropping the F-bomb every now and then to prove that, hey, Christians are real hip, drinking hard, sleeping with my girlfriend like they are, I'll make a big difference. No, you won't. Not unless there's a distinct savor about you of your Savior and something distinct about you in the midst of that darkness. You won't make it. God calls us to lean into the darkness, love in the darkness, speak into the darkness, but not be swallowed up by the darkness. I know this is this can be dicey and it means it won't look the same for everybody. If you're a brand new Christian, hear me, you perhaps should not go to some of those same places where you were when Christ rescued you at least for a period of time. If alcohol's been a problem for you and you abused it, abused it, abused it, your ministry probably shouldn't be in the bars. You fill in the blank, whatever it looked like. There's a place for caution depending on where you are in your walk with the Lord. All I'm saying is it can't be all Christians run, shun, and then write about it and we hope God will reach people. He intends to reach people through us. But we're leaning, we're loving, we're speaking But we cannot be swallowed up by the darkness. We're to be distinct. Need some help on this? Turn with me to 1 Peter. Hey, how about this? Let's use our Bibles. Wouldn't that be cool? 1 Peter chapter 2. Let me show you something that should help with this close proximity and yet still pursuing holiness and being distinct in the midst of the darkness. 1 Peter chapter 2 beginning in verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is Peter writing to believers, Christians. But you, verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now, verse 11, he's about to give caution. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. Right there, look at me. Those two descriptions of us give you a tip-off on how this should look. We're supposed to live our lives with a sense that we are passing through. This is not my home. This is not my final resting place. You don't set up housekeeping in the darkness. You don't settle in. Pilgrims, sojourners. Rest of verse 11. Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. So right there. We're supposed to live differently. Our conduct, our behavior, our mouth, our values, it should be different. But notice, among the Gentiles. We're to work with them. Don't figure out a way that you can just work with Christians. We're to, we're to play with them. We're to be in neighborhoods that have streets that are not just Christians all living together. But keep your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may buy your good works, which they observe. How are they going to observe your good works? How are they going to see the way you relate to your wife and they can tell you actually love each other unless you're at the cookout? If you're just zipping in the garage, garage door comes out, you zip out, you go your separate ways. But when they see a Christian marriage and say, like, they're observing it. When they see how you interact with your children or train your children. When they whatever it is, they've got to be able to observe it, to observe it, they've got to be close to us when they observe your good works. They will glorify God in the day of visitation. Jump over to 1 Peter 4, chapter 4, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3 But here's what I'm going to do. You keep looking at your Bible. I'm going to read it from the Holman Christian Standard Version. That's a newer version that came out a couple years ago. I really like how it says this. For there are, 1 Peter 4 verse 3. For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the pagans choose to do. Carrying on in unrestrained behavior. Evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. So they are surprised that you don't plunge with them into the same flood of wild living and they slander you. Listen to me. Lean into the darkness. Show up at cookouts. Play in a ball league. But, but if there aren't moments that they're not surprised by what you do and don't do, something's not right. Does that make sense? Especially if they knew you before you were a Christian, like, well, you used to always do this or you used to, you never had a problem with that before they'll be surprised that you don't plunge with them into the same wild living and here's what'll happen and they'll slander you the NIV says and they'll heap abuse on you right surely you've experienced some of this what you think you're better than us you always did this before what 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 let me give you for instance say so you work for delta and you've got those layovers and you go to other cities and then you all spend a night in a hotel together everybody's already been talking it up, all the guys are going to the gentleman's club downtown, they know where it is, you don't go. I'm not saying you stand there and you grab the microphone on the plane before it even lands. say, I want you to know most of the staff and the crew here are going to do foul things and they are heathen that are going to go to hell. I am not, so let me bring you your coat because I am the Christian. No. Even in the shuttle from the airport to the hotel, you're not preaching at them and condemning them, but you're just quietly, aren't you going? No, I'm not going to go. I'm going to go ahead and call my wife. I've got work to do. But they're still going to be uncomfortable because they want you to do what they're doing. There ought to be times that they're surprised that you won't plunge with them into the same flood of wild living and they will slander you. Leaning into the darkness, loving in the darkness, speaking into the darkness, but being distinct. Still pursuing holiness Savor of Jesus, not looking to compromise for the sake of the darkness. Too often Christians think, again, cheap proximity. If you just have a tattoo, lost people just fall on their knees and say, what must I do to repent? You know what, spiked hair, everything on me is pierced. Now I'm gonna reach tons of people. Please know, I don't care one way or another. Keep your spiked hair, your tattoo, if your last name's not Bigney. If it's Bigney. <laughs> there's no college money for you, there's no air conditioning for you, and you will walk wherever you go. That's grace, baby, right there. (laughs) I jest. Sort of, yes. (laughs) If you've got any sense, big knees, wait till after you are out of college to do any of that. But seriously, right? You may choose some of that. That's not, believe it or not, unbelievers are not altogether put off by fuddy-duddy people. Sometimes they're actually drawn to different. Wear double-knit stuff that's out. And have your hair doing what it only did 20 years ago. It's okay. Here's what we're really looking for. There ought to be something about you that they think, she has something I don't have. She has a joy. She has a contentment. She has a peace. She engages people. She loves people in a way that I don't. Their lives are broken. They are hurting. It's not superficial stuff. I don't think they think, oh, green hair and something through the middle of their head. I think I could talk to them about Jesus. That's not that important. So if you are a Christian that chooses to drink, and I know some don't, let them know as you're drinking with them why you don't get sloppy drunk. When they say, hey, why not number four, number five, let's keep going. Let them know why you don't sleep with your girlfriend, why you don't sleep with your boyfriend. Let them know why you don't talk bad about your husband or your wife when everyone else does. Let them know why you don't talk crass about girls and treat them like sex objects. Let them know why you don't badmouth the boss and complain about every policy and all decisions that are made there at work. And by all means, please let them know why you're plugged into a small group of other believers at close range. Don't keep it a secret when things come up, feel free to talk about it like they talk about their stuff and say, oh, on Thursday night when we were having our Bible study. Oh, on Wednesday night when we were at small group. Oh, don't keep it a secret. Lean into the darkness, but keep pursuing holiness. And so there'll be opportunities where they will ask, why that? And you'll need to speak. And there'll be times that God will prompt you to speak even when they don't ask, but do it in love with meekness ...and humility, not anger and condemnation. And that leads us to CC, clear communication. This equation fails, you guys. If you just go HP, high potency, and you even just go CP, close proximity... ...and you never get around to CC, clear communication, it fails. Let me get you to go back where we were last week, John chapter 17. But I'm going to read one verse further than we read last week... ...because I saved it for today... John 17, John chapter 17, I said, is Jesus's high priestly prayer where Jesus, if you're here and you're a Christian, this is Jesus praying for you before you were ever born. Jesus praying for all the future believers and Christians. Very cool. John chapter 17, verse 15. I do not pray, Father, that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. The word sanctify means set apart, preserve, distinct, different. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them. Into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Now, look at me before we read the new verse, verse 20. Did you notice all the reference to truth? Word, truth, word. It's all packed in those few verses. Get this He has sent us into the world. But folks, you got nothing. You have no power to penetrate the darkness, nor do you have the ability to preserve yourself from being swallowed up in it. So hear me. If you're a Christian that is not practicing and cultivating high potency, reading and feeding on God's word, please don't lean into the darkness. You'll end up in it, swallowed up. Does that make sense? Once you get there... You got nothing that's going to change lives if you don't know God's word and you don't have truth. That's what penetrates the darkness. And it is what preserves you as you know God's word and your mind is being renewed by God's word. Do not hang out near or in darkness if you aren't having regular intake of God's word. Reading it, meditating on it, memorizing it, discussing it with other believers. Does that make sense? This high potency thing is essential. I want you to live out loud. I want you to love people. I want you to get out there. But I will say this as your shepherd, pastor, and friend. If you're not on board with HP, which is you got to feed on God's word, get away from the darkness. It'll suck you in and swallow you up. It's God's word. It's God's word. It's God's word. Now verse 20. I do not pray for these alone. So he's praying and he has... Believers right then. He's got disciples right then. He's got followers right then. But watch this. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Oh, wow. Did you see what just happened? It was Christ designed from the very beginning that he would use us to speak his word to other people and people are gonna come to Christ not because of his word, because he's not here right now, but because of your word about him, your word from the word. Does that make sense? I pray right now for all those who will believe. There are people at your work site. There are people on your street. There are people where you exercise that God intends to bring to himself And he was praying for this day. And it's why he has you there. Through their word. Through their word. Through their word. That's why it has to be potency, close proximity, clear communication. You can't let up on the CC part. You can't can't skip the proclamation part. And so let's talk about CC, clear communication. That's my third point. Number three, you'll never make an eternal impact on people around you without speaking words. But maybe you have been thinking, okay, where would I begin? Of everything I could say about heaven, hell, God, sin, so many issues, what should I say? Where would I begin? That's what I want to talk to you about in the time that remains. What words? Now please know, just like I've said a number of times in these messages, there is no one way to do this. So just take a sigh of relief. There's not just one way. Not just one way to do this. And also remember, you don't have to give it all in one conversation with unbelievers. In fact, usually it's best, don't. Don't do that. Don't parachute in and you've been praying, you've been so scared, and you're like, today, it's going down today. You parachute in, unzip your backpack of gospel truth, shake it on everyone in all detail, and then zip up and out. Done. Never have to do that again. Hallelujah. But I was obedient. And it was a joy. (laughs) Folks, every now and then I have an opportunity to give the whole... But it's rare. I'm just looking for a little seed here. A little bit of salt here. Shake it. Shake it. Shake a little bit. Some on you too. Shake. Right? And so let me tell you what some of that should look like. I've got in my mind four components. Critical information that people need that I think to become a Christian... It's these four pieces. Again, I didn't get it from the Bible, but I think it's helpful. Ready? What are some of the words? People have to know what the Bible says about God, us, and by us, I mean humanity, human beings, Jesus, and you. And by you, I mean that person standing in front of you that you're talking to, that individual. God, us, Jesus, you. In other words, people, people have to know, first, that there is a God. God. There is a God, but not just that there is a God. You don't get to create him any way you want. It's not what you wish. I hear people say to me all the time, well, I've just always thought that God was a lot like, well, that's really groovy, but whatever. There's a lot of things I think doesn't make it true. Who is he that he's not just love and that he's holy and that he's just who is God? God. Then they need to know who we are as human beings, and it's usually a shock to most people because it's not what they were thinking. They think we're all pretty good, at least them. There are bad people, but I'm not one of them. So that's a shock what God actually says about us as human beings. And then Jesus, listen to me. If you just talk about God in big, fuzzy, generic terms and you never get around to Jesus, people will not become Christians it is Jesus. You've got to talk about Jesus. Who he is and what he did. That he's not just a do-gooder and a teacher and a wise sage. He's a savior. He came to give his life in payment for our sins so we could be rescued. You've got to talk about Jesus. And then, you. The gospel calls for a response. They must believe. They must repent. They must say, yes, Lord Jesus. They must surrender their lives and receive this good gift so god who he is us who we are in light of who god is jesus who he really was and what he did you you have to make a decision not your mama not your best friend not your favorite teacher you every single person will stand alone before god and give an account you now this also shouldn't surprise you You can use many places in the scripture to get this done. Because I want to say, as often as possible, with whatever pieces of those uh, truth that you're trying to share, use the Bible. Quote the Bible. Even if you don't whip it out, quote it. Have some of it memorized. Quote the Bible. Use the Bible. If you're sitting in a coffee shop, have it with you. If you're on your back deck or patio, have it there. If you're in a restaurant, if you're in your living room, but use God's word, God's Word has power, not us. And so I want to show you how you can show all four of these components from the book of, oh my goodness, say it, Romans. It's not the only place you can go, but it's one of my favorites. So let me show you how this would work. And here's what I did. I knew we'd be running out of time, so I'm not going to be able to unpack this in detail, but I put it in detail in your outline Think this through some more. Discuss it some more at small group. I put it there in your outline. How could you use Romans to show God, us, Jesus, you? But look at this. Let's look at it a little bit. Romans chapter one. Oh my goodness, you can show God from Romans one because Romans one 18 to 20 says, first of all, there is a God and you know it. You know there's a God. How do we know that? Because it says they are without excuse. Romans one 18 to 20. In fact, it goes on to say the real problem is you don't want there to be a God. Look at verse 28 of Romans 1. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. I know there's a God. I got this sense constantly there's a God, but I wish I didn't. I don't want God in my knowledge. I don't want God in the equation. I don't want God in my life. See how this is working? And he's not just a God of love. You can go to verse 18 in Romans 1 and say, oh, wow, for the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. Yes, there's John three sixteen, and it's absolutely true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But there's Romans 1, 18, that says he's not just a God of love. If you reject this free offer of the gospel, he's a God of wrath. God. Us. Oh, my goodness, you can show truth about who we really are from Romans. First, in Romans 1, 18 to 20, you can see that the truth that we do have, it's not a lack of information problem. Human beings do what with it? They suppress it. And Romans chapter 2, verse 15. You don't have to grow up in church to know there's a right and wrong. You don't have to have memorized the Ten Commandments from a list on a Sunday school wall because those days are so over now. So few people grow, growing up in church. You know what Romans 2, 15 says? They have God's law written on their heart and their conscience either excusing or accusing them. You know there's a right and wrong. And then Romans 3.23. For how many? This shows you your true condition. For all have sinned. Not just there's some bad people out there somewhere doing bad things, but I'm not one of them. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You can show them the truth of who we are in light of who God is from Romans. Then what about Jesus? Oh, some of my favorite Jesus stuff is in Romans 5. Romans 5. Verse six, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for who? The ungodly. Not people who already think they're pretty good. For the ungodly. Verse eight, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died. Oh, you get great. Who is Jesus and why did he really come in Romans five? And then the you? you got to respond it's your decision you must believe you must repent Romans 10 Romans 10 and see if you wanted to you could mark your bible and have these places in it. And in Romans 323 you could say now go to Romans 10 you have written that in there Romans 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved For with the heart one believes to righteousness. With the mouth confession is made to salvation. For the scripture says. Whoever believes in him. Will not be put to shame. From Romans you can show. God. He's real. He's holy. Us. We take the truth we do have. And try to stuff it and hide it. We have God's law in our heart. We know there's a right and wrong. And we are sinners. Jesus is. He died for sinners. He died for the ungodly. And then you, will you respond? Will you follow Jesus? Will you repent? Will you make him Lord? Will you say yes? Will you turn away from the way you've been going? And real quick, with the last minute and a half that I have, I want to say this. The thing that I often run into when you start talking this way is people will start throwing you nuggets of what I call religion. Oh, but I grew up in the church. Oh, but I was christened as a baby. Oh, but I was baptized as an adult. Oh, but I've taught Sunday school. Oh, I'm a church member. Oh, I light some candles. Oh, I burn incense. Whatever it is, it looks different from different. But folks, I just call all of that religion. Because it's focused on what you're trying to do to be in right standing with God. And so you've heard me say it, but I, I think it's helpful. I'll say to people... Here's the big difference between what you're talking about and what I'm trying to share with you. Religion is spelled, say it, D-O. Because it's all about what you're trying to do and you hope you do enough of the right stuff to be accepted by God and go to heaven to be forgiven. Whereas what I'm trying to show you is a relationship with Jesus Christ that's at the heart of Christianity and the gospel is spelled, do it with me, D O N E. Because it's focused on what Christ has done for us. That never needs to be done again. And you must believe in him. No one else has done for you what he's done. No one else has solved your biggest problem. So this is hugely different. You believe and you receive. But you have to have empty hands to do this. Most of the time their hands are filled with their own good works or righteousness or whatever. It's very hard for people. Really? That's yes. That. Now for the sake of time, we can't do it, but if you want to know where in the Bible, I don't use this with people I'm trying to point to Christ, but for you as a believer to just feed and rejoice, Hebrews 9 and 10 are two of the best chapters to show you distinctly the difference between religion and relationship with Jesus. Do and done. Oh, I love it. Because it will say he's offered one offering for all time and has sat down at the right hand of the Father as he brings people to him now who are saved forever. The whole thing is this is so different than religion, so different than tradition, so different than everything else. Jesus, let me ask you, what do you have in your life? Religion or a relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm glad you're in church. I'm glad you're in a good church. But you could be in this church and still not have what I'm talking about. It would break my heart. Do you have religion or a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know him? Is he your Lord and Savior? Have you reached a point in your life where with empty hands you've received the free gift of eternal life? Here, here's the way I'd put it. Religion is all about you trying to achieve a life. And it's exhausting or Filled with pride because you think how well you're doing this. Christianity and the gospel and a relationship with Christ is all about receiving a new life. And you do that by grace. You don't deserve it. Through faith, you can't earn it or work for it. In Christ alone there are not dozens of ways to be right with God. Please, don't believe the lie they're teaching you in philosophy classes. Don't believe the lie that's out there that there's many ways to God. There's not. There's not. It'll land you in an eternal hell. Jesus is the only way. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, come to Christ. Come to Christ. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You could have that today. Not by giving some money here, not by signing up for class, not by serving, but by believing and confessing Jesus is Lord in my life. Yes. Oh God, I pray that you would work in our hearts. Lord, that you would excite us if we're here and we know you about what you've done, who Jesus is And help us to lean into the darkness and love in the darkness and speak in the darkness without being swallowed up by the darkness. May we continue to be distinct. May there continue to be places and points and times where they are surprised that we do not run with them in the same flood of wild living. And yes, they may slander us. And yes, they may heap abuse on us. But we're going to keep loving them. Loving them. And Father, I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you. That you would draw them to your son, the savior, the sacrifice that would change their eternal destiny forever. Lord, work in each one of our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.